It's time to become a member of Playvolution HQ and Exploration's Early Learning. There's a free option and three paid patron-level options. All come with free stuff and ongoing automatic training and merch discounts. For as little as a dollar a month, you can become a patron. That supports our work, and you get premium stuff like early access to fresh podcast episodes. Go to explorationsearlylearning.com slash membership or click the link in this episode's description to learn more. All the cool listeners are doing it. On with the show. Hey, Jeff here. Just a little note about what you're about to hear. The Early Learning Journeys podcast used to be a standalone show I did with Tamar Jacobson. We decided to roll that show into the Child Care Bar and Grill and are releasing the 14 episodes that we did as standalone shows into the Bar and Grill feed so that they'll be here. Uh, also, stay tuned for fresh episodes of that show as tomorrow and I record them. Plus, tomorrow's going to pop on for non-interview episodes now and again as time allows. So uh, we're glad to have her aboard. So here's the episode. on this snowy day oh it's a beautiful beautiful day and we've got a we've got a wonderful guest with us um she's known by many names i've got a list of all the names that i know i know her by we've got heather burnt santi with us um she is also known as um hbs that's how i abbreviate her name when i write things on my index cards so i don't have to write out her her big old long name i mean heather so many letters she's known as the early childhood nerd on the social media and to a small select group of acquaintances and or friends she's known as non-pon uh a a nickname that uh, was come to by committee i believe uh yes. um during a, a a drunken extended weekend in florida that's the best way to describe it maybe i don't know um, um heather welcome to the show thank you i'm glad to be here i've introduced you so many times over the last uh last couple of weeks that uh i gotta try to come up with something fresh every time and it's it's, it's getting difficult so heather um we want to jump in at the beginning as we do with our guests and discussing their early learning journeys. What kind of child were you and what was childhood like? Take us back to the beginning of Heather. Um, I, I was feral. <laughs> <laughs> so I grew up in um, a, a tiny town in Nebraska, Stromsburg, Nebraska. And um, I think there were 12, 1300 people. And so even in town where I lived for the first 10 years was still pretty country. (laughs) Um, So I, um, I have photos of like my room full of toys and shelves and shelves of things and a cool kitchen set, but my memories are outside and just roaming out buildings and um, collecting junk to play with and making potions from dandelions and um, uh, staying at my grandma's farm a lot during the summer it's just pretty outside and wild so where 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 in nebraska is that 
piece of Nebraska? That piece of Nebraska is, um, it's not far off I-80. Okay. Um, so do you know where York, Nebraska is in I-80? Yes, I, I, giant I've, water tower that looks yep. like a hot air balloon. I spent it's a lot about of time 20 miles from there off of okay. 80. Yeah. off of 80 20 miles off of 80 well any place even along interstate 80 in nebraska is rural if you get a, get uh <laughs> west of lincoln so um yeah we're 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 talking rural rural yeah. upbringing even if you were yeah. in town um and that was the first 10 years so you were your your feral child what kind of you mentioned kitchen set i got to know is it a wooden one or is one of those uh those like uh cast tin ones like my sister oh, had it was it was definitely um some sort of metal it was 70s green yeah yeah uh, that, that must have been the same one my sister had i yeah. remember those things yeah. yeah um so you're running wild you're feral was it just you did you have a dog a companion a a a pig following you uh, friends <laughs> what was going on um i did not have dog or pig following me um i mean i think we had dogs but i don't think the dogs were into me because they're in none of my memories um uh Till I moved to a farm at about 10. But uh, so I did have neighbor boys. There were lots of neighbor boys um, on my little block. And that's who I remember playing with most. Was, uh, Mike Caves and Jamie Sperling, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> and, and, why, and why wouldn't you be? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so the, the boys who I think um, they were maybe a little bit older than me, but uh, they, they just lived kind of around the block. And that was most of who I played with. So are you an only child, Heather? No, um, I'm a middle and an oldest child. Um, so (laughs) I'm the middle of my mother's total children. I'm the oldest of my father's children, if that, um, makes sense. So I I did have an older brother, older sister, younger brother, younger sister, but, um, the older ones were old, older enough that they didn't really need me for anything. And uh, I probably ran away from the younger ones. You, you described yourself as feral. That's a self-description. How would the adults in your life um, in those early years have described you? Um, I don't know. Um, I, I, they, they talked a lot about me being a reader. I don't remember um, reading a lot, but mostly I think when I've, when I've heard adult people from my life at that time talking about that part of my life, um, they talk about me being smart and reading a lot, and, um, but but I, other than that, I don't know what they would say, how they would describe so, it. They probably <laughs> were just glad I was busy, <laughs> like out of the way. So so you were kind of like a loner. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so and you grew up with your stepfather. No, my uh, my birth father. So the older children were from my mom's first marriage, and then. Um, she married again, and that's me and my sister, younger sister and brother. Got it. Loner, loner by choice? Uh, probably. Probably I didn't have patience for other people's dumb ideas, is my guess. That seems to be a trend that has followed through adulthood. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, th- I think probably it was by choice. I don't remember being lonely or sad or seeking anybody else out. I, I, uh-huh. I had a pretty contented outside play life, I think. What was school like once you started? What's, what's your earliest memory of a school or school-like setting? I don't know if it was preschool thing or maybe kindergarten or whatever it is. Yeah. What's, your, what's your earliest memory of that type? Um, 
Well, again, so it's hard for me to sometimes separate what I just remember from a photo and what is a real memory. And I don't know if that's worth the, the separation, but um, I know I went to a preschool. Uh, my first real memory of school would be probably first grade um, when I peed my pants and tried to hide it and my friend Yvette tattled. <laughs> it's like really the first, the first memory I have of being in a school building. You know, um, when we talk about emotional memory, whenever I ask people to, for, to remember a teacher or their, their early experiences, it's hardly ever, well, I adored math and science was a great subject. It was always something like what you've just described, mm. an emotional mm-hmm. you know, experience, not always traumatic, because that sounds pretty traumatic, actually. Um, yeah. but, uh, but, but always it's connected to emotion. Yeah, I have very fond memories of my first grade teacher. And um, when Facebook became a thing, we connected on Facebook for a while, all those years later. Um, and then she passed away from cancer a couple of years after we have we had reconnected. But she's um, she's a she's a, a good, positive, warm memory. That first grade teacher. Mm-hmm. What about this this narc Yvette? Was she was she a narc the rest of your uh, relationship with her? Or? She was not. She was not. She became a, a, a high school co-conspirator oh, good. Uh, and, and still is a good friend. But um, yeah, I was just trying to write it out. And she raised her hand and she was like, uh, Miss Hollins, there's a puddle under Heather's desk. Oh. <laughs> it's, a, it's a warm, fuzzy childhood memory. Yeah, she um, probably thought she was helping. Yeah, 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 exactly. I've got a couple. I got a couple of those stories too, but those are those are going to sweet until I'm a guest on the show. Um, oh, wait, we should do that, Jim. Yeah, uh, someday, someday when we start running out of when we start running out of good guests. <laughs> so how did how did school progress? Were you were you always a a academically inclined person? Was school good, bad, indifferent? Yeah, I mean, I definitely had some memorable negative experiences. Um, I, I remember a third grade teacher scolding me because the assignment was to color a picture about Christmas. And so I didn't know what a manger was. I thought it was a cave. So I drew like a cave and put three people inside and then tried to color the blue sky behind it, but I colored up and down. And my teacher was like, everybody knows you color side to side. Now it looks like it's raining on Jesus. <laughs> so, so I had a couple of those, but, but I, yeah, I was always um, really into school. I loved playing school. I was the one who, if there were textbooks they were giving away at the end of a year, I was taking them home, you know, third, fourth grade so that I could continue playing with them. What, what did, what did playing school look like? Um, really, honestly, it was mostly because it was it was just me usually playing school with myself. Um, it was um, copying things out of books, like just copying things straight out of the textbooks, pretending I was doing assignments, kind of like my real college was. <laughs> Plagiarism. <laughs> Plagiarism. Were, were there like uh, teddy bear and, and Barbie students or was it just? I don't just, remember you know, that at all. Huh? So you were doing, you were doing your, your early childhood nerd research as a yeah. third grader, essentially. Yeah. Well, even, I have, I have a couple, again, a good, I, I have great photos from my childhood and I have a couple. One is um, me and I'm probably five. I'm really small. Um, sitting on the couch with a, a TV tray in front of me, one of those old brown seventies TV trays. Um, 
and you know, I'm writing something and I've got like a Diet Coke, it looks like in my hand and writing something. And then another one where I have a book that's like twice my size. Um, so yeah, I think that was just always part of my personality. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> Very interesting. So what made you want to become an early childhood person before we get onto the high school stuff? Oh, so I, I didn't know that was a thing you could become. And I accidentally started to be one. <laughs> I, um, I was, I was 18 and I was, I was 19 and I was in college and I was already married and I needed a job too. Um, and my then husband's nephew worked at a childcare center and was like, we're hiring. And I thought, oh, great. I babysat, <laughs> you know, that old story. I babysat the church kids when I was in high school, I could do that job. Your early childhood started in high school. Um, yeah, that's I, in high school. I babysat a lot of kids and I um, worked at a summer camp with school age kids for three summers. What, what does uh, Heather pre early childhood nerd babysitting on, we'll say a Friday night, mom and dad are going out to a movie. They have Heather mm -hmm. over to babysit. What's that? What's that evening look like for, for you and the kids? Um, oh, probably we were watching TV together till I could put him to bed and raid the fridge. High school love babysitting. Boat. Jeff, come on. <laughs> yeah. Did so, you just say love boat? Yeah. So really babysitting. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Just sort of being in the place to keep them from dying and then eating the food when they went to bed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Did you yeah. like it or was it boring? Oh, I liked it. I think I felt important. Um, I think because I, you know, I was, I was maybe 14 when I started doing that for families in the church. And yeah, I think it made me feel sort of grown up and important that, that someone would let me come into their nice house and uh, play with their kids and eat their food. Was there any of that babysitting type thing with siblings? With your I don't siblings? remember that. Um, so, so when, once I, once I was a teenager, my life was much more chaotic and, um, I was not parented anymore. And I, be, I did become sort of a parent for my younger siblings. So, but I, that was, that was sort of different than this other sort of doing it because it was fun and I felt important. That, that was sort of survival at that point. Was it like chores or um, emotional? Emotional, but also feeding them. <laughs> no yeah. one else was feeding anybody at that point. So um, why not? Uh, so uh, my parents got divorced when I was 10, 11. And um, my, my mom had a lot of, um, she had a lot of issues. She had some trauma and um, she had an eating disorder and some mental health issues that she was not, um, well, it was the eighties. So I don't know what they were going to yeah. do for her, but, but I, I know that she had, there were like some prescription abuses happening and things like that. So she just wasn't functional. Um, she was sort of a child herself at that point. Um, and I was the oldest one still living at home. So it, it sort of became my job to do those things. So there is a part of me now as an early childhood educator that the reason I do it or a, a caregiver, the reason I do it is to be what, you know, that quote, be who you needed when you were a child. That's, that's a major driving force in oh, what I do now. You and me both. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that's interesting. And it also sounds stressful. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So what, what's that like? Uh, what is the 16, 17 um, well, I mean, that would have started when I was in middle junior, junior high, we called it then when I was in yeah. junior high. Um, 
because uh, she really isolated us um, because of her own relationships with her family and my dad's family um, because of her mental illness. Um, so there, there was no support system probably from 13 on. Did you, did you have a, a relationship with your father during that time? No, she really, there was a lot of gaslighting. Like we were terrified of, of him and he, you know, there was no reason to be. So I reconnected with my dad as an adult when I had my own child, my own first child. Um, but no, I didn't have any kind of relationship with him or with my um, grandma, his mother, who had been like the most important person for me. Oh, what a loss. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that, that bridge, those bridges got burnt. Hey, that's my maiden name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't even that is, in fact, my dad's family's name, Jeff. <laughs> I hadn't even. <laughs> oh my goodness! Wait, was that intentional? <laughs> no, that wasn't intentional. I wish it was, but they I mean, did. that's yeah. yeah and so, did. what's that like? Yeah, wait being... a minute. Wait oh, go a ahead. minute. Go ahead. That's your boom, because you accuse me of the booms. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, Jeff. Um, so you got all that going on at home and are, are you, is this, is this public knowledge in your school life or is this the, the thing where you put up the wall and, and, and try to keep home and school separate because, you know, um, I think it was public knowledge just because it was such a small town. Like everybody it, knew everything. Um, I remember one Christmas, like I found somebody left $10 in my locker and it was obviously a teacher that had left it there. So I, I always, there was always like something to make me aware that others were aware, but like no one was helping. <laughs> that's, um, a, that's an amazing story. How did that make you feel the $10? Um, well, first it made me feel like, what am I going to do with $10? I've got at that time, three younger kids living in the house with me and um, you know, no food, but the government commodities that were coming. Um I, I don't remember being embarrassed by that. I think I thought that that was really a, a generous kind yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that's an, an interesting thing to think about for teachers, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you're going to do a good deed in quotation marks, you know, you, you want to kind of <laughs> feel it out yeah. whether it is going to be hurtful or, or make a person feel good. Yeah. That's an interesting, wow. What a life. No wonder you liked my book. I did. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> It's definitely a connection. Yeah. So, what are what are grades looking like? You, you're you're help, helping with the younger siblings. You're dealing with all this stuff yourself. Are you you still the studious student? Um, I I mean, I must have been maintaining. I got good grades. I was never in trouble. I skipped school a lot, um, but I also remember staying up all night doing homework. So, um, I don't think I was enjoying it and playing the game in my head the way I had been. But um, I I was it was still Okay. Skipped school to uh, play with my friends who were also skipping school. And what does that mean? Play with your friends? Um, yeah, sometimes it was just hanging around at the house of the, like the one friend whose mom and dad both worked um, and we knew the house would be empty. Um, sometimes it was driving, you know, to that big city of York, which was maybe 10,000 people or something to, to try and find something fun to do. Um, usually it was just hanging around, driving around, you know, rural Nebraska stuff. It's uh, interesting should... that a, a person can get through school by playing. In other words, you can just do the assignments or whatever and yeah. keep going. 
Yeah. Did you, did you ever make any uh, uh, school uh, school skipping trips to the metropolis of Omaha? That's not too big. Oh, of no, a I was terrified of Omaha. No, oh, I man, didn't even go what, to Lincoln. That was that was our go to place when we skipped. I skipped a lot of high school and we would yeah, go to Omaha, when I wanted to go out. roller skating. I went to the big city of Grand Island, <laughs> and it was like about as big as I could handle. This is this is only interesting to a very small part right, of the, uh, the group select. that's going to listen to this I, episode. I moved to Kearney to go to college, and that was thirty thousand, and I was like, Ugh. "You're living in the metropolis." Yeah, so, yeah. So, so, so high school. Jeff, were you also? What were you also from Nebraska? No, I, I, I'm, I can I can look out the window. I can see Nebraska from where I am in Nebraska Iowa, though. From his porch. Oh my gosh! I need to look at the map of America again. I'm I'm, I'm exactly where Iowa, Nebraska, and South Dakota meet on the map. If you oh look, if you goodness. look there, you'll see me waving. Because I don't know the map at all. I have to, like, if I go to a, a, a workshop or something on the airplane, I, I take out the map on the way and say, "Oh, I'm going to." Oh, that's where I'm now. going. <laughs> I wish they, I wish, I, I wish they'd actually draw in those borders, so when you're flying over, you can you have a better idea of where when you're crossing from state to state. That'd be awesome. Oh, so, that's interesting. The the last couple of years of high school are starting to to happen. You're you're you you end up in college. What was that process like? Did you did you was it was it planned? Did you have a, a major in mind? What what who, um, who were you yeah. thinking you wanted to be when you grew up when you were in high um, school? I thought I wanted to be an English teacher and live in Stromsburg forever, and teach high school English because I was good at English and I liked reading, um, and my favorite teachers were my English teachers. Um, you know, honestly, I don't have much memory of how I ended up at college. I'm sure a guidance counselor at the school helped me apply for things. And I just thought that was my only option. I just, you know, that's what you do. So, um, so I went, I remember this guy that was like, I don't know, some kind of, I'm suddenly really aware of who might be listening to this and nobody's going <laughs> to talking about is gonna be listening to this um I think he might have been like a boyfriend of my mom's but he was presented as a family friend who just kind of hung around a lot um uh mostly while we were all at school (laughs) (laughs) anyway like he drove me there and left me there and drove back you know back to Stromsburg and I was just sort of left in this this dorm at Kearney State College and um had no idea fortunately there was another woman in the dorm that I knew from the church camp I'd worked at who like told me how to go register for classes and um, what to do with the student loan stuff. And, uh, but I, I don't remember how I got there, but I got there. And the intent was I was an English and French major when I first got there. Uh, how did it feel to be leaving those siblings you'd been taking care of for, it sounds like half a decade. Yeah. By this point? Um, uh, I, I, so this is this is a complicated part of my history, Jeff. I, I I was really relieved. You know, I was a kid. I was 17 years old. Um, things got much worse for them after I was gone, of course. But I I was living my own, doing my own thing, and being a teenager and yeah, um, having some freedom. So it's it's a mixed bag. You know, I was really relieved, but I knew that sort of I probably had left them in a bad spot that did you feel guilty actually i i feel guilty in retrospect at the time Uh i didn't feel guilty i felt like this is just what i need to do now yeah Yeah, i mean it must have felt like a a weight was lifted off of you yeah absolutely yeah 
And so with that weight removed, was there any wildness or rebellion or any fun stuff going on? (laughs) Oh my God. No, I got so religious. Um, I got really conservative and religious. You started drawing the uh, the sky the right color the, the right yeah, direction. Yeah, I, so, I, I stopped so, raining so baby on Jesus. Jesus. Wasn't getting rained on anymore. Yep, yep, yep. I did. So I, you know, I, I drank a lot in high school, um, and covered it up from a lot of you know a lot. Of, like even my sister didn't know that that was going on. Um, and then I got to college and got really like really straight arrow, really conservative, and found a very tiny conservative church to spend all my time in. It, but that, that must have given you a feeling of support. Yeah, definitely. Family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, I was a terrible person then. The things I was doing when I thought I was Jesus-y, I was actually really mean and selfish. But, but I got comfort from the group. And I had that sense of family to be there. What, 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 what does ter- what, what's that look like? You being a terrible person? I was just mean. I, I, I would, I just was... I don't even know how to describe it. I was mean. I was verbally like, mean. One of those like mean yeah. girl kind of things or. Yeah, mean? a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was sort of a mean girl and um, really bigoted, had some, some pretty shameful attitudes about groups of people, that kind of thing. I was, I was terrible. Well, you were suffering. <laughs> yeah. You were suffering. Mm-hmm. um so um, i mean you know it's a weird podcast okay <laughs> thank you but, but you know the thing thank is, you is how we come to look after children we bring all that with us right yeah definitely um like you said you you want to give children what you wished you'd had mm-hmm. which is pretty much what i'm doing all yeah too. and um and also kind of redeeming oneself at the same time like you're saying like you can look back and you can um, hopefully start to forgive yourself for that time is why I'm saying you were suffering you know it's uh, I, I think because you know I'm working a lot on self-compassion these days it's, mm-hmm. I've gone from compassion with children to self-compassion for teachers because I think it's terribly important that we know how to forgive ourselves otherwise we can't transfer that on to children mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. we, we're going to be hard on children if we can't forgive ourselves so I think self-compassion is important you have you suffering? forgiven yourself? Oh, I don't know. Probably. I probably have. I don't know. Yeah, and I, I got to ask a question about you being mean because was this, was <laughs> this, was this active or passive meanness? Um, was, was all the meanness in your head? And so the people you were being mean to might not have even known you were being mean to them or were you actively? Uh, a little bit of both. I, I mean, I, I wasn't, I might've been sort of exclusionary with people I thought I was better than, if that makes sense. Um, But it was mostly just shit talking people to my, um, to my other church friends (laughs) and, um, and being just really super judgy and critical in my own head about people. How do you turn that around? I mean, it's so wonderful that you can look back and know that about yourself. Mm. It takes courage. Not many people can do that. Um, Well, I joke that I moved to Indiana to liberal up. (laughs) (laughs) um but honestly it was meeting more people who were not exactly like me so I I came to Indiana in um 95 uh my first husband was going to grad school here so we all we had two kids at that time and um 
<laughs> we still have two kids. Anyway. <laughs> um, Where are um, they? Huh? Where are those oh, two? They're in it. One of them's in the house here with me through the pandemic and the other one's just a couple hours away from me. Uh-huh. Um, but so we moved here to go to grad school and it was in, um, uh, you know, the liberal arts department. And um, so even though I was living in Indiana, I was spending my time with people from all over the country um, because of that, that circle of um, students and student wives, grad students, siblings or spouses. And so I really just think it was meeting more people and realizing that some of my ideas about people were wrong and, um, uh, and, and just being sort of a, a curious learner by habit. Um, but I, I think, I think that's what, and age, I mean, I know age doesn't do it for everyone, <laughs> but, but just getting older, I don't have the energy to be mean. <laughs> I don't think it's about energy. I think it's a conscious decision you made. Oh, well, I, I think the lesson here is, is is we should never meet people and you should never expand your horizons because, I mean, it, it forces it forces change and uncomfortable reflection right. on you. And, and yeah. who needs that? Right. 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 Yes. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's the opposite tomorrow. Is that what we mean? It's, it, it's supposed to be op- it's supposed to be what Heather yeah. did. Right. That's what we be working. <laughs> yes, <towards>. Hopefully. <laughs> so Beth, Heather was right. Huh? Heather was right. Heather was right. Um, so were you, you're still an English and French major in this move to Indiana or had that changed oh, by now? No, I am. Um, so got married at 19. Um, had still in, um, Kearney? still in Kearney. I, we actually had stillborn twins that first year we were married. Oh, um, so I, I dropped out of college and that's when I decided I needed another job and started at the child care center. Oh, that's a terrible loss for you. It was hard. It was hard. You know, I was, and I was 19. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and when I was churchy, my goal really was um, to be a, a, you know, stay home, take care of my husband and raise the children and do all that. So, so it was a blow because I thought that was supposed to be my life. And, um, and now it's not. And what in the world does this mean? Thinking, you know, that that was my last opportunity at 19 of course to do what I thought my my calling was supposed to be so no I was done with with college by then for myself and you became a preschool teacher yeah Mm -hmm. what yeah I worked look like well so I my first job was just sort of um an aide with a a a preschool age class and a tiny little center and I liked it okay um uh but considered it, you know, that, the just babysitting that we put in quotes, um, and then moved to another center and, um, got my own class. I got to be a lead teacher and that was very exciting. It was two-year-olds, but I was still playing school. I was doing elementary school kinds of things in a two-year-old space because I was basing it all on my own memories of, of having been taught, which are elementary school. Um, and then went to like a bookstore in Lincoln. I finally made it to Lincoln with some friends. I was brave enough to go and uh, at book, at like a teacher bookstore and found Karen Miller's book, More Things to Do with Toddlers and Twos, which was the first time I'd ever heard about cognitive development or um, any of these domains and that there are things even with toddlers and two-year-olds that we can understand about them. And, and that just opened up the world. But I, I still didn't know it was something I could go to college and major in, but I knew I could use that information in my daily work with kids 
So those those first two programs you worked in, how would how would twenty twenty one Heather um, evaluate those programs in terms of quality and playfulness and those types oh of things? Um, uh, well, I mean, they were they were probably playful. Um, the second, so the second one was in a church, and the church didn't want any um, any signs of the childcare center when church things were happening. So every Wednesday afternoon and Friday afternoon, we had to have everything from the child care center out of sight. So we couldn't really do a lot in terms of having materials. So it was just a lot of open space. So it was mostly play, but it was also um, like I had 24 two-year-olds and four teachers in a giant room oh. Oh with only God. the materials that could be hidden every Wednesday and Friday. Wow. Um, and trying to move them through in groups like all 24 eating at the same time and napping at the same time and um, the assembly line of diapers so it was um, you know people spanking kids and that kind of garbage Um, so it wasn't it wasn't great but there was play I had never thought about that there was actually a lot of play because we didn't have all the things we thought we needed to teach them and so what happens next? You're how, how long you're, you're in the second program. How long had you been doing the work by then? Um, oh, that was pretty early on. I, I probably made that move within my first year of working okay. from that very first center to this second one. And I was there for a couple of years. And then the, uh, one of the, the other teachers moved to a third center to be the director and hired me to come over there. And um, that was the first place where I really felt like um, I was a professional and I had some expertise and I got to use that in my daily decisions and plans and interactions with children. Um, that's where I got my CDA and felt like I was really on the road. Then once I got the CDA, I might've, might've been one of the first people in Nebraska to get that. Um, seems like that's true, but that was a long time ago. I mean, we'll, we'll record it that it was, and then, and then it's true. If it's on a podcast, it's true. We'll cite Um, the podcast on the reference page and then it's true. There we go. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) it's famous people. So you sometime in here, you decided, Hey, this could be my thing. Or was this just kind of a holdover thing until you got to do what you wanted to do? Right. No, this was definitely when I decided this could be my thing. Um, And, and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Was there, was there a moment that that happened or was it just kind of a gradual progression to that, that realization? I mean, honestly, I think when I got that book, that, that more things to do with toddlers and twos book and started to understand um, or started to, to see that child development was something I could learn about and not just something I could be like sort of intuitively good at um, or have good intentions about. I mean, I think all three are important, but, um, but that's when I started to see, oh, this is something I can defend to my family who wants me to find a higher paying job Mm -hmm. or who thinks I'm just, you know, um, just babysitting or just playing all day or all the things I got. Um, And when you say my family, you mean your husband? At that point, yes, it was my husband's family. Yeah. And so what's, what's the relation, what's the state of those, uh, those, no longer existing bridges I mean with your biological dad with your grandma who'd been so much a part of your early years with the with the siblings you'd uh, yeah. you'd gone off um yeah you, so, you found your freedom was was that so let me think about this well actually my my younger siblings my brother and sister who are younger than me um 
when they were 15 and 17, were going to be put in foster care. So my first husband and I became their guardians when we were 19 and 20. Um, So I finished raising them um, at that point. Um, My sister got married very young and um, my brother actually still like he, he moved to Indiana with us and he's still pretty, um, pretty close to us. So, um, so they were with me again at that point. (laughs) Um, And now I don't remember. It sounds like there's Heather again. Yeah. I mean, a little bit of freedom from 17 to 19 and then 19, you're carrying this heavy load again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You're a responsible, caring person. (laughs) I had to be. There was no choice. Well, people have choices. (laughs) You had a choice. Yeah. What a kind person. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Well, I mean, yeah, that that's that's what you chose. You could have you yeah. could have you could have taken off for Las Vegas. I mean, you you did have choices and that's what you chose. I was scared you... of Lincoln. I wasn't gonna go to Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I've only been once to Vegas. I don't think so, Jeff. <laughs> well, I mean, that it would have been a different path for her, but I mean um Yeah. So I've, we've been so many places, I forget where we are. I know, um, I know there was more to that center. question and I don't remember. Um, well, I, I was thinking that maybe that, that led you to go to grad school to do early oh, childhood. Oh, so, but I mean, you asked about my family, Jeff. That's where that was, ah, the, the burned bridges. Yeah, where's um, your... Yeah, sorry, Because I thought you'd mentioned you, uh, you got back in touch with your dad after you got married. Yeah, so um, when, when Curtis was born, that's my, my son, um, in 92... I decided that um, uh, I, I didn't want him to have any of the um, trauma that my mom brought to people and was still bringing to people. And so I cut that tie I, and I just sort of said, I'm not going to see you anymore and you're not going to know my kids um, and then reconnected with my dad. So it was kind of a strange thing. But so then once that happened, um, I sort of reconnected with with that part of the family too, but we only, I mean, it was maybe, maybe that means we see each other a couple times a year. It wasn't any kind of um, family closeness. Like I really, my, my first husband's family was, and still is in many senses, my family. What would, when you were, so, so you got, was Curtis coming to the program with you? Was Curtis in childcare someplace else when you were working? What was that? No, he was with me and Josie too when she when they came along were um were in the same center where I worked. And and I think you're the first guest um that we've had that, that's been in this situation. What's that like having your own kids? You're you're kind of new to the profession, you've got your own kids in the program you're working with. <laughs> um how does that go? I've I've lived it, but I love hearing yeah. other people's stories about um, I think the 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 folks who were actually working with Curtis and Josie would probably say it was not smooth. <laughs> Because, because, um, well, I was what a very, children? I was a very protective yeah. mom. Good. Um, and I was a protective mom who knew what I expected childcare to look like. Um, I had that benefit of not being, you know, only on the outside with all those marketing messages that most families get about what what they should be asking for for their children, and um, and I could hear the things that were happening, and I knew their teachers very well, so it was not smooth. <laughs> Oh, you know, I always. And that was it. still when I was mean. So. <laughs> oh dear, what a what a description of yourself! 
But I, you know, as a director of a childcare center, I used to tell parents, no one will fight for your child but you. Um, right. And so, you know, I always wanted to know what they needed. It didn't mean that I gave it to them, but I wanted yeah. to know how they felt. So well, I just, I just felt like they were the greatest kids and um, it, everyone should feel that it was an honor to interact with my kids. And if they didn't, um, it was something wrong with them. <laughs> I mean, you still feel that way. Absolutely. Yes. Oh, definitely. Who doesn't? Right. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I've got a picture of you with a little bit of mean girl in you, but also a little bit of timidity scared of Lincoln. And right. so what were how were you with your coworkers at this time did you have a definite opinion about what early childhood should be like at this time and were unafraid to share it or were you still kind of timid about that kind of thing oh no I was never timid about that like I, I was always really obnoxious and I'm sure a pain in the ass to work with and I think um, like at that time the the director my boss was also a friend and I'm sure I made her life just miserable. I'm sure she had people in her office all the time. <laughs> it's interesting how you how you view yourself that way. <laughs> you know, I mean, you'd, you'd lived for years in, in chaos, um, having to take care of everyone. And it was a way that you could have some kind of control over your life. You also knew what you wanted for your family and for mm -hmm. you to keep everybody safe. So you were, you were just fighting for the rights of your, you and your children. I don't think you were a pain. Oh, good. <laughs> That's their problem. Okay. They need, they need to go to workshops on how to work with parents. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's my opinion. It's, that workshop, it's that workshop entitled How to Work with a Coworker Who's a Pain in the Ass. Yeah. <laughs> with a picture if, of Heather. If you are not behaving. Oh my gosh. Okay. Heather, when was the first time you realized, now you said you started out with those two-year-olds, you were doing elementary school stuff with them, still playing teacher. When yeah. was, when did you start realizing this can be different? I, I have, a, I, I have assume it's around the time you read this book. I was going to say, this and, when I first read that book yeah. and then realized there were other books out there. Yeah. And then so what, what did it, what did that look like in practice with you starting to implement changes mm -hmm. in how you, were, um, how you were doing your, your work? Yeah, so it became less about me just really having a good time writing lesson plans and buying lesson plan books to write those plans in and um, decorating the walls and bulletin boards. <laughs> and, um, and it became much more about offering materials to the children that I thought they would have fun with, but also that I knew I could defend developmentally. Um, if anyone came in and said, why are you doing this? And your bulletin board looks like shit. Um, I could say why we were doing that. Um, and that's when, oh. that's when parents started saying, you'd be such a great real teacher. <laughs> <laughs> I would have hired you in the shot. Oh, thank you. Were, were you living in an early childhood culture where people talked shit about each other's bulletin boards? Is that a thing? Oh, probably not. Uh, no. that that was just a few years ago in another center but <laughs> no it probably just was my you know my my little mental image of what a teacher is sort of evolving and me still holding on to bits of it even though I was moving forward still dragging and stuff with me so is that evolution 
fairly easy or did you have a hard was it hard to break up with your with your beloved lesson planning book oh no no it was pretty easy although I still have um uh it's like in one of those old three-prong folder things um all my weekly lesson plans and on the front marker I wrote the Miss Heather curriculum it's still sitting over there (laughs) oh my gosh Oh, I want a podcast about those. I want to go through. We got to do some. We got to do some bar and grill episodes with Lisa, where we go through some of those and and uh, and 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 discuss them one by one. That would be delightful, I think. Um, because I, mean, I want to be a fly on the wall. Yeah, we'll have we'll have you both on and do that because that that profession. I mean, that's what the show is all about: that professional growth and yeah. and and evolution. Because there there are people out there, Heather, that that look at the stuff you post now um, through your your early childhood nerd brand and yeah. and just assume that that's, that's who it's you've always been, been and that's who you've always been and yeah. uh that's uh, without without realizing that it's a it's a progression of, of decades mm-hmm. and that's a, that's an important thing what would you and it takes courage too it's not just you sure. know that it's a progression it's a, it's a it's step by step making choices if if you if you could go back now, okay, we've got a, I'm working on this. We're working on a, uh, the, the, you know, all the, all the big profits we're making from this show, we're putting into right. time, time uh, travel uh, development. Sure. So if we had a time machine <laughs> and 2021 Heather could go back to not quite ready to move to Indiana, Heather, and visit her classroom, what would, what would your assessment of that be? And what, 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 what piece of advice would you have to that, give to that, Heather? Hmm. Well, I mean, I, that Heather was like, um, I've arrived. I don't need anything more to do this job. Um, I was, I was sort of complacent, but I feel like I was doing, I don't know that I would change a lot in my daily practice. Um, there's a couple parent conversations that haunt me that I would do differently. Um, but maybe what I would say is, yeah, you're probably really going to need to do that degree. You keep saying you don't need to do, because I ended up eventually 10, 15 years later being pushed out of the field for a couple of years because I didn't have that really yeah I had a uh, I was working in a child care resource and referral um, agency here in Indiana and the state changed requirements and you had to have degrees to do everything and I didn't so I had to they like pushed me out and um, then the only thing I qualified for in child care around at the time was like an aid position in, um, you know, garbage centers. And um, I had two kids and a professional student husband, so I couldn't afford that and ended up working in a couple other spots before I finally got someone who said, we'll hire you if you'll promise to get your degree. And then I got back in like a couple years later, back into an early childhood job. So at grad school, you didn't do early childhood. Um, I when did, that was, husband. oh, no, well, yeah. I wasn't in grad school then. That was well, my, I see. He my was. ex-husband. Yeah. I just finished my master's degree a year ago. I, yes, I did all my I school in my forties again. Yeah. 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 That's the best time to go back to school. That's <laughs> when I went, nicely. To school. I went back to school. I didn't even have a, a completed BA. I was yeah. 40. Yeah. Yeah. I, I started from scratch at 40. Yeah. I did three degrees and it was, I enjoyed every minute of it. 
I didn't enjoy every minute, but I'm <laughs> glad to have it. <laughs> I'm 52. I'll never go back. It was a pain in my ass. And uh, <laughs> anyway, I'm glad you guys enjoyed it. Um, yeah. Heather, oh, Heather, tell, tell us true. about one of those uncomfortable parent conversations that you wish you could do over. <laughs> oh, just so the one, the one was actually a conference. Um, the one that really comes to mind that I, that I use a lot. Um, this little boy was, it was a class of two-year-olds. I think I was, I had seven two-year-olds and it was just me and he bit a lot. And, um, I was just starting to, I had a Janet Gonzalez Mena book by that point. So I was understanding toddlers a little better. And I thought I had all of the stuff in my head that I needed to have in my head to solve the problem. Um, and we sat down for a conference and his parents wanted to talk about the biting and um, his mom started to tell me that she'd had a miscarriage and there was a lot of stress at home. And she wondered if that was contributing. And I shut her down. I was like, no, I'm sure that's not it. I've got it under control here. You don't even need to worry about this. <laughs> and didn't even let her tell me, you know, these this stuff that really probably was impacting that poor little guy. Um, and that just like, I still, I still picture that we were, where we were seated and the little table we were at and the room we were in. And was that uh, in your mean days? Oh, I didn't intend that to be mean, but it was probably my self-centered days. <laughs> I'm guessing that conversation will go a little bit different today. Yeah, absolutely it would. Yeah. How would you yeah. do it? Um, well, we would have been having lots of conversations before there was a conference. And um, right. uh, I probably would have had um, a, a different relationship to where I knew that that was happening much earlier. Yeah. Um, with, yeah. with a parent, I would have, cause I just talked to them more now and, um, not just about their children. I talked to families about whatever yeah. I want to talk about. So I just, I feel like it would have been part of the conversation sort of more naturally and much more early or much earlier. And, um, and if it wasn't, I would have listened like the minute they started sharing that I would have been, Oh, pieces are falling into place now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I, <laughs> that that could also be a whole that could be a whole other podcast. Right? Mistaken conversations from decades yes. ago. Yes. Um, so, so you make it to Indiana. Husband's mm-hmm. in grad school. You yeah. are the mother of two young children. Do yep. you pop right into an early learning program there? Or? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, started working at a, a kinder care center here in town with two and three year olds. It's what and we what, call a Kentucky Fried Children's Center. Yes, exactly. It was. Yes. <laughs> Unless they want to come on as sponsors to the show. Um, what was that, that like? Um, well, I knew everything by then, right? Um, so I was better than everybody in the center and I had no time for their shit. Um, I remember. How, so, how quickly were you fired? Actually, um, I left because I didn't like it. I didn't right. Because she didn't want to get fired. <laughs> because I didn't want to get fired. Um, I had not been fired yet then. I have been fired more than once, but it wasn't there. Um, like they had dark, con- it was an open concept center, which is really hard to work with. And then they had dark blue contact paper covering the entire wall with big car- contact paper whales. Oh, I um, cut out and stuck on the wall and I went in on one weekend and tore that all down oh wonderful and, um, <laughs> I love and it. got in trouble on Monday because that was part of some regional contest where 
um, corporate had come in to judge there and they had all worked really hard on it. And I didn't even consult with anybody. I just went in toward all. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I would have hired so you. They should have fired me. <laughs> I would have hired you. I love that attitude. <laughs> yeah. You got to have a bottom line. Yeah. I mean, you just got to. Yeah. It was like, it was just a dark space to live in, literally and figuratively. The under the sea uh, motif isn't yes. isn't your isn't your thing. Um, so but wait, wait. You said you've been fired a, a number of times. From yeah. what and why? Um. Uh, well, I got fired when I was a school age program director, and uh, the well, it was more than that. it was a youth development coordinator position in a community center, and. Uh, we had some really traumatized kids and one of them was, well, so the, the executive director didn't like me anyway. She was a therapist and she didn't like, um, she, well, she, she wanted the children there so she could count them in her numbers, but she didn't want anyone to see them, particularly the brown skin children that we had. That was really mm -hmm. uncomfortable for her. She wouldn't come walk in or out of that building without an escort because she was so afraid of the brown children. Oh my goodness. Um, teenage boys particularly but um anyway um we had one girl who was a teenager she was in an abusive dating relationship and we knew that and um she had a bladder infection and one of my staff drove her to get her medicine and um, then emailed me and said this one the, the teenager was like living on her own her mom had abandoned her and her power was out and the staff person wanted to know if she could pay for the power to be turned back on and I was like let's find her in another agency to do that. But anyway, so they, they took that as their opportunity to get rid of me because they already wanted to get rid of me. And they said that I, my staff didn't have appropriate boundaries um, with, with the kids we were working with and that we'd violated the transportation policy and stuff like that. So that was one. Um, and then um, one was, you know, I just, the, the teachers, I was working with four centers and I was sort of, a coach mentor position for four centers. And really what it boiled down to was classroom teachers were pissed off because I wouldn't let them kick kids out for misbehavior. Oh. Uh, so they, they sort of rose up against me and complained and I was gone. Oh, so you were a woman of principle. Eventually. <laughs> I think you've, no, I do think that that's always been yeah. who I, who I am. I just haven't always, um, but I mean, even in your in your mean religious days, you were yeah. principled in what you were believing in. In those, in days. what those principles were at the time, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's hard, you know. Not everybody likes principled people. I've had my share of woes. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you you end up dropping back into school to get the BA. Well, I started with an associate's like I had to okay. I, at that time, it had been so long since I was in college the first time that none of those transfer, none of those credits transferred. So I really started from scratch um, when I was 40 and my son was starting college and we shared an English textbook that first semester, which was kind of funny. Um, yeah, so at, at 40, I started and did an associate's and then took like a semester off and then did my bachelor's and then got my master's by 40. So between 19 and 40. How many programs did you work in? Um, well, this is going to be pause time for the podcast. So I guess yeah, everybody. I'll, 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 I'll do Jeopardy stuff. music. Dun, okay. Seven, maybe. 
That's not bad. That's direct care. I did a lot of, like I said, resource and referral stuff uh-huh. in there. Too, but yeah. And you're, you're still, are you, I mean, are you starting to become the early childhood nerd at this point or is that still in the future or? Um, that was early forties. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Let me think about that. I think I, Oh, that might've been just 45, 46 when I started calling myself that. And, and, but I started doing workshops and things really early, like. Doing as in, as in, as in presenting. Yeah. 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 So what's that, what's that look like? What's that first one look like where you, you got a room of people there um, (laughs) ready to listen to you share all that wisdom you have. Um, What's that look like, feel like? Yeah. Um, well, it was very much the, the banking method where I had all my expertise that I was going to pour into the empty heads who came to my workshop. Um, but I, so at that time in Nebraska, local extension, local county extensions would do um, conferences for early childhood people. And I wrote to the one that did Kearney areas and said, you know, there's not ever anything for infants and toddlers at these conferences. Could you, could you work that in? And they said, well, why don't you come do it? <laughs> So I did. Um, and, and the the room was packed and I was 25 and I've always looked a lot younger than I am. So I probably looked 16, um, standing in front of this, um, you know, county fair building size crowd to talk about, uh, I think it was guilt or grief moms leaving their babies in childcare. Oh, what a wonderful time. One of those, one of my first topics that I did and I, I, I knew it all. I had overhead transparencies <laughs> for the visual aids. Did I you have, know. did Lisa and I talked about this on our show not too long ago, the, the overheads, did you have the pre-printed overhead transparencies or were yeah. you doing the writing yourself? I had the pre-printed. Yeah. Yeah. That's really fancy. Yeah, it was really fancy. You run them through the uh, the the printer, and yeah, that was that's good stuff. Um, and so you liked that? I did. Yeah, that experience felt like it fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I had a lot to learn there too about how to do that effectively and why I should do it and and who, what it should be like. But um, yeah, that felt comfortable immediately. Good. And so you you kept it's. It's just something that since you were 25 has been a, so 25 years now you've been, been doing that to, yeah. to different, different degrees. Yeah. So you, you were in Indiana. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Where do, where do you do them? Um, well, at the time I just did them around Nebraska. So at the time my, my brother-in-law worked at a printing company. So they print, we printed off a bunch of brochures with my face and like four titles. And I just did it for free around childcare centers within driving distance of Kearney. I sent those those little brochures out and I would just go speak to staff and stuff. And then, um, state conferences. Um, now I'm doing, you know, the last three or four years I've traveled a little more and now it's webinars of course, but, um, so sort of all over. Heather was in Australia with me a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. We, went we, to made, a, we made a quick, <laughs> quick trip to Australia to do a, do a presentation <laughs> together. Um, so you finished the, the BA your mm-hmm. early, early forties, first half of the forties. 46 was when 46, I finished my BA. 46. Congratulations. And yeah. where are you? What are your goals and plans and dreams for the future when you get handed that degree? Um, well, at that time, I was doing that, um, that 
uh, mentor coach position for the four centers. And I really could have stayed there forever. Um, I, I would have, I sort of had a sort of a dream of teaching at the community college, but didn't think a master's degree was within my reach at that point, really thought I'd have to stop at the bachelor's. So, um, so I was, I was okay with where I was um, when I got that bachelor's degree. Why aren't you there today? Because they got rid of me. They're the ones the teachers were mad at me because I wouldn't let them kick out kids who didn't (laughs) sit at circle time. How does that, how does that feel? You're working on a program and you got a job that is job. Your, your face lit up when you talked about it, a job you sound like you loved and they kind of push you, push you out. It was devastating. It was really hard. And I was really sad for months Um, because then, and so I'm going to expand on this in a minute when I'm done, but the only job I could get was back in the classroom. And so there was part of me that was like, oh, this is such a step back till I got into the work and realized this is where it's at. <laughs> this is the important work. This is, um, and I, and I loved it. Uh, my body and my finances couldn't handle it, but, um, but I worked for two years with one-year-olds and was so happy, but in, initially it felt like step back. Like, I don't know. It, so it was, I'm so glad that I did it because it helped me in a lot of ways, but um, what made you go to do your master's finally? Someone gave me a scholarship. Oh. <laughs> you're, um, you're just walking into the coffee shop and somebody just yeah, sits here. Could, yeah, could no, you expand uh, on that a little? <laughs> a state agency here in Indiana um, got a grant to offer scholarships. It's part of the teach scholarship system that a lot of states, most states have. Um and I'm grateful for the scholarship and I'm glad I have the master's degree, but they chose where I went and the degree is actually an elementary ed degree. So the classes were mostly L ed classes. So it was hoop jumping um, to get the piece of paper so that now I can teach at the community college, which is what I'm doing now. Right. Part of yeah, what I'm I mean, doing. so many early childhood programs, it's elementary ed, really. Yeah. That's, that's the big problem. Yeah. It was the same for me at, at Rider University. I was the only early childhood professor and, they yeah. were getting all this elementary aid with all the other professors. Yep. So when it came to me, I just absolutely scrapped lesson plans, taught them about play and relationships, and mm. we just had a blast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blast. A blast. Blast. Um, <laughs> Heather, you you have said that you spoke your mind in the classroom you, uh-huh. you did some job hopping over the years you said you, you you the only job you could find after the the kind of curriculum director job was in the classroom um did you get kind of labeled locally as a troublemaker or something what was oh definitely um a hundred percent i i mean i i i know that i was blacklisted from one job because um because I was told by someone on the hiring committee that I was sort of blacklisted from that or that someone had stepped in when they wanted to hire me and was like, no, you don't want this person here. Um, which was also very hard, but now I'm glad I didn't get that job. So it works out. Okay. Um, yeah, definitely. So there's sort of a feeling now that, um, I've got this, a job that I really like, um, but it's kind of my last option. It feels like, so I've got to be, I've got to stay, I've got to keep it. Um, well, you could always do a doctorate and then teach university. Well, if someone would pay for that doctorate and I didn't have to move to do it, I would be open to that. But um, I don't want to pay for it. And I got to keep my husband here where we are. So 
Is Urbana-Champaign near to Indiana? A few hours. It's a few hours. That's a wonderful place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, find me the money and I'll go. <laughs> I bet you be out this afternoon So I don't have any, I mean, I'm, an, I'm a nerd, so degree collection appeals to me, but there's no career goals that I have um, that a PhD would get me closer to. Well, you're probably doing good work in the community college, for goodness sake. These are people who are going out to to practically work with children. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah, I I do think that. that, And that was the goal when I got the master's was um, to eventually teach at the community college. And it's the same community college that I got my associate's degree from when I started this all over. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a nice full circle situation yeah uh, are you pleased that you're in the early childhood field or would you change it oh something? no I can't imagine I went and um I worked in a bank uh because I felt a little burned out um so I moved to Indiana then we moved back to Nebraska for a couple of years and then we came back to Indiana and those couple of years um I worked in a bank in customer service and I hated it and I was miserable and I didn't care about people's money and I, I had to get back to to kids and families and teachers and no, I can't imagine myself doing anything else. Did you work in a cubicle? No, we didn't have cubicles. We just sat, all sat at desks out in the lobby. Oh, that must have been delightful. Yeah. You know what I did? I looked up people I knew when I was bored and found out how much money they had in their accounts. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And that That's was like awesome. how I spent my time when, when no one was coming to me to open a, their own accounts. so what else oh my what what else do we need to what else what else what have we left out of the uh the heather journey what else do we need to know somewhere in there you remarried that's true yeah that would be september 2000 wait 18 i remarried yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i know that because of facebook Yeah, that's, that's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's very supportive. He thinks I'm smart. Um, he, he's, he's, he doesn't have his own children. So it's fun because he hears, listens to all my stories and learns. And the other day I, I had this, um, you know, a, a plastic grocery bag on the table that I'm throwing all the lids from our uh, water bottles and things into. And he was like, Oh, loose parts. Like, yeah. Loose parts. <laughs> Well, talk- so you've been taking care of children all your life. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I have, In- including your mother. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. She was like a you, a child for you. She was the most difficult. <laughs> the one I didn't get fixed. <laughs> has, I was going to say has that. What? How? How was that relationship? I, I haven't seen or spoken to her since I made that decision in 1992. I think it was the right decision. You know, I'm 71. Oh, I'm going to be 72 in May. And um, just recently, my mother died a few years ago. And just recently, I was thinking, why did I not just move on and Mm -hmm. break off that relationship? It was so abusive. Yeah, there's I mean, there's definitely people who've told me I did the wrong thing. But no, my kids didn't need it. And so that's what I had to do. Well, I mean, your siblings were going to be put in foster care, so you were you were right to to protect your whole family. Yeah, 
obviously. I mean, I don't know anything about it. I just it. need Tamara's voice in a loop constantly. Yeah. <laughs> self-compassion. I wrote an article for the, for the Exchange magazine on self-compassion. Yeah. It's I read it. It's, oh. <laughs> I'm a great believer in it nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's something I could present on, Jeff, if you're ever wanting. All right. Well, no, we're... come on my show and talk about it. Don't talk to Jeff about it. Oh, yay. Making yeah, a note. Jeff, she makes me famous. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, no doubt about it. <laughs> I mean, when I went over to that early childhood nerd and saw tens of thousands of people had liked that page, I sat there with my mouth wide open. <laughs> Who is this woman, this early childhood nerd? So, so Heather, talk to us about that for a little bit, about um, yeah. your early learning presence on social media. That's something yeah. we haven't really, really oh. touched on. But that's that's kind of become a... a, a decent size of of your work kind of although it might be yeah. not, but might be might not be financially compensated but it's definitely part of your work yeah definitely um yeah so i started on twitter and i needed a clever twitter twitter handle and i would joke about being a nerd uh so i just my twitter handle was ece nerd um and then i was reading a lot and didn't really have anyone around me who was as excited about it as I am, as I was. And I wanted to try and talk to people about the stuff I was reading. So that's when the Facebook page came to be as that early childhood nerd. Um, and it was mostly so I could post quotes from stuff I was reading and see what people wanted to say about it and to try and have conversations. It was, um, it was professional attention seeking, connection seeking. <laughs> Do you, would you consider writing a book? I would love to write a book. I am very undisciplined. I feel like if someone other than Jeff, because we've tried this experiment, would set me some deadlines, then I then I would write a book. But Jeff tried it, and I was like, I don't care if Jeff cares if I missed my deadline. Yeah, so it didn't yeah, work. work out. I, I, I agree. <laughs> uh, I, I agree, Tamar. She needs to to do that. Yeah. We tried it, just didn't. It, it, I look at it as one of my greatest professional failures um, that I wasn't able to. <laughs> That I wasn't able to bully Heather into uh, picking up no, her, you know, I, her I pen and writing. Connected, um, I think it's a bit connected to your um, your view of yourself as being mean and troublemaking and all that. Um, I don't think you believe that you could do it, is what I'm saying. Um, and <laughs> when when we don't believe that we can do it, we make all these kind of excuses. I'm not good at deadlines, meh, 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 all that stuff. Um but I mean, you could easily go through a publisher like Red Leaf, and they're really good. Well, and they're helpful. I tried. <laughs> you did. Um, I don't. I, I don't want to record that part. But yeah, I did try um, with them. But uh, they didn't like your idea. It's. It was. Um, uh, look, Heather doesn't want to talk about Red Leaf. I'll talk about Red Leaf. Red Leaf has published six or eight books I've written. Um, they used to be a great organization. Red Leaf has uh, 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 they they have slipped over the last five years, I think, and uh, and they don't follow through on things. And I lost I my proposal. I'll say I, it now that Jeff's cracked the ice. I would I would never do another book with with <laughs> Red Leaf again. I would I would definitely self publish because uh, they they are really? slow. They're they're I, I mean they they're they're a couple decades behind where they should be as a as a publisher. And wow. for whatever reason, um, they they used to have some great people working there. I barely know anybody there now. That's um, true. And that's true. and it's 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 kind of sad what they've turned into. I think, and that's just Jeff's opinion. 
Yeah. But so now if you self-publish, I think also the, the audience might like to hear that. How do you do that? Oh, Heather and I have already talked about it. We, I had a plan in place. All Heather had to do is pick up the pen and write the book. But yeah, uh, it's my fault. No, so, it's not your fault. It's just you don't believe you can do it. But yeah. you can do it. Look what you've done in your life. <laughs> You can, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's about, and it's not about motivation. It's about setting up a, a system where you force yourself to do the thing you got to do. I yeah. mean, my first book, I wrote it, I wrote it during nap time in our family childcare center with my laptop on top of the upright piano. Um, well, the kids are over That's, there. And when I, when I have felt most motivated and done good writing that I liked some early articles that I published was when I was, it was nap time kids were sleeping and I was, my brain was awake. And uh, yeah, I just, I, I know that part of it is just complacency too. Like I just am comfortable and yeah, it's easy yeah. to say, I don't do deadlines, but you know, I don't do it without deadlines. But I, anyway. I, hold, I hold high hopes for, for that book coming into existence someday though, tomorrow. Um, yeah. and, I, and I think, I think listeners to, to Heather's podcast would also appreciate it. And it's so, so I, I guess we have to crowdsource the, uh, the support system Heather needs to make yeah. it happen. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, like you could write it like I write mine, like about your own life experiences and how it affects how you see the work that you, that you're doing. And then you could put you into it, which would be such fun. But anyway. <laughs> I would love to. That's definitely something that I saw myself. I, saw, I used to see myself as a writer. The last few years, I've sort of been like, well, maybe I need to give that up. Maybe that's not really who I am. Ah, you're a nerd. <laughs> Do it. I am a nerd. <laughs> <laughs> I need so someone to transcribe all the podcasts for me so that I can use those as my rough drafts and just go in and start writing. Heather, so there's a... Have, email message me because there's AI that can do that. I mean, there absolutely is AI that 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 is capable of taking those audio files and doing that already. Um, so, t- talk a little bit about your podcast. You, uh, yeah. I'm I'm lucky enough to be your your producer. You're pushing towards I don't know eight eight nine thousand downloads a month this last couple months with that show, so and strange. it's uh, it's it's kind of a kind of a popular. I mean, kind of, kind of a popular early learning podcast out there in the world now for, for the people wow. that uh, dig that kind of thing. What's the yeah. show about and what's the, what's the format? Yeah, so the, the show is about um, me and my smart friends talking about things that excite us or piss us off or um, make us wonder um, that we've been reading. So, so the episodes usually start with a quote from something I've been reading. And so usually I'll be reading and I'll find a quote that grabs me. And I think, who do I want to talk to this? Who do I want to talk to about this? And I try to get them to make time to schedule with me. And I, um, I have some really amazing co-hosts and guests, and that's very fun. Um, over the summer we did where we all like four or five of us would read the same article and then we would do a panel discussion of the article. And we did a series on, um, our, our influences as early childhood people and, and each, you know, shared about them and talked and that was really fun. Um, so it's cool, but, um, it started with you responding to a Facebook message from me before we knew each other, Jeff. Um, uh, because I was listening to you and Lisa's podcast and messaged you and asked you some, like, have you thought about talking about this on the show? And you were like, why don't you come on and talk about it with us without knowing me? <laughs> <at all?" laughs> and, um, and so 
you, you guys called me and we did that episode and I, um, still married to my first husband at the time. And I hung up and said, I think I should do a podcast. And he was like, yeah, I think that would be really something you could do. And then I was like, I'm going to wait, I'm going to cultivate this relationship with Jeff and Lisa for like a year. And then when we really know each other, I'm going to say, Jeff, you should do a podcast for me. And um, it actually happened like two months later, you were like, you want to do a podcast, come up with an idea. And I was like, oh, I've got the idea. Do you, do you remember what the topic was that you were first on the Bar and Grill podcast? Yeah, I think it was about um, how we misuse research to to defend school readiness ideas, mm. like how we maybe that take- okay. So my my favorite uh, that might have been it my my favorite and maybe it was a was a later appearance was uh, tomorrow you'll dig this about how the fact the, the the fact that we in this profession need to start looking beyond the cute. Oh, that when, was in that. It, well, oh. Yeah when we're dealing Wonderful. with children because yeah. we, we get caught up on, on the cute uh, uh, Pinterest post or, or social media post and the cute things the kids do, but there's, there's so much beyond that in this work. And oh, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I that saw was in that, that first conversation. I, I saw that post and was like, Oh yeah, she knows she's there's, there's something here. And, uh, and, and so I, I was I was really excited to to talk to Heather the first time and and she she blew Lisa and I away and we're like hey we need to we need to pay more attention to her um, because look it's 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 great to surround your yourself with energetic smart people because then it, then it makes you look more energetic and smart so uh, that's that's pretty much that's <laughs> right. pretty much the only. <laughs> <laughs> the only way I get through the day is because 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 people like Tamar and Heather are willing to talk to me once in a while. So I really appreciate it, and it was it was a it was a fun thing to do. Yeah, I'm so, I'm so glad to do it. It's my favorite thing. I wish that you know, I don't know. It's my favorite thing to do right now. The podcast. Talk to us about teaching at the community college, <laughs> and what your it. what your. I mean, it's, 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 we, we've talked about on just about every episode of this show we've done, it's come up with how, um, how we're preparing people for, for work in this profession. Mm -hmm. And it is hit and miss at best Mm -hmm. out there when you're, when you're picking a program, what do you, what do you want to give your students? What do you want them to leave your program with as they enter the field? Um, so I, I want them to be in it because they understand that um, that children need, okay, so children being in these group settings is inevitable. Like that's, that's part of life, whether you like it or not. Um, it's not natural and it's not fair sometimes to the children. So whatever I can do that contributes to those spaces being healthier for children to be in. That's what I want to do. And I feel like teaching specifically at the community college level for associate's degree people is is where that's most likely to to take hold. So, you know, I go through the things on the curriculum that the the committee from the state says I have to include, but I but I um, but I do it in a way that focuses on play and childhood and relationships and um, uh, understanding what children, you know, what does literacy mean for a toddler? It doesn't mean magnetic letters and um, uh, circle times. And, you know, it, it's so much deeper than that. So I, I want them to, because of their time with me, 
believe that it's worthy work and believe that they are valuable contributors to children's lives now, even though there's benefits down the road, I want them thinking about children's lives right now. Um, and that there's special knowledge that they have that can, that can directly impact all of that and to take that seriously. Um, and to think outside of the three to five year olds, nine to 11 o'clock in the morning, part of the, the profession and the work. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. Oh, yes. so beautifully put. I mean, <laughs> that's the conclusion of your book. Well, I don't remember anything I just said. <laughs> well, you'll have it on the podcast. Oh, Listen no, to I forgot podcast. to push record. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you'll have it on the podcast. I yeah. mean, that, that is such important stuff that you've just said. It makes that concluding paragraph to your book. Now I'm going to cry. <laughs> oh, good. Um, yes, the tissue. I got them. I have them ready. <laughs> I knew. I so, thought it would happen earlier. I, I don't want to... I don't want to get you blacklisted from, from, from a job you apparently kind of dig now. You found your, you found your place. What are your, what's, the, what's the crop of future early learning professionals looking like going through your program? And you can be as vague as you need to be. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm, I'm adjunct faculty right now. Full time, I'm working at you know, Purdue with this speech language preschool that I work at. So, so this, the community college stuff is adjunct right now. Um, and it's been online for a while. So it's harder to feel like I'm making that connection or really getting to know the students. Um, what, what I'm seeing is um, they're either 18 year olds who don't know what the, what the work is like I was mm -hmm. um, and need someone to say, um, you know, need, need someone to show them what all the options are. Or they're, you know, late 20s, early 30s women who've been doing the work for a while and now their job says you have to have a degree. So they're coming back to school and they're already really entrenched in the systems of the center they're coming from. So, um, so I, don't, I don't expect that I see big changes or sudden reversals, but it's if I can be the one person planting a seed here Right. Um, then, then I hope that's what's happening. But, but it's I, I don't I don't think that I'm learning anything other than what I already knew, which is lots of people don't know it can be a field. Lots of people come in thinking it's easy, cute work, and lots of people um, are already doing it and finding their own way um, according to like, whatever. Just like that book changed your life. Mm. It could that would be, be amazing. It could be a sentence that you say or you direct them to read a certain passage. And uh, we never know along the way who we've touched and how we've touched them, yeah. even if it's online. Yeah. We just don't ever know. So, well, I mean, and, and sometimes we, we do because um, I've, I've forwarded over the, you're pushing on 200 episodes of your podcast. And there's been a couple of times I've gotten messages um, saying things like, wow, I listened to Heather's show and, and forwarded you that, that stuff when I hear it. And so there are people out there that are, that are just listening to the stuff you're sharing on social media that yeah. it's having that impact on them. And if you could have that over, have that impact over a long-term relationship while somebody's right. working on their degree, that's, that's magical. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. that's the dream Be, beyond beyond that book have there been have there been people like that in your in your journey that we should touch on before we wrap up this episode um, kind of mentors and supporters oh um yeah 
Um, let me think. Um, so I mentioned that I, one of the, one of the center to center changes I made was because a friend from one center became a director at another. So her name was Joan Ostrander and now she's Joan Anderson. And, um, she, she was the preschool teacher in that center where we met at and, you know, had a degree and, um, was just so loving and, um, so focused on relationships before that was a buzzword in the field. Um, and so fun, but still seemed so professional in my eyes that, that working with her um, was really influential for me. Uh, my friend, Laura Spillman, who's on the podcast with me sometimes, um, has been someone that, um, who's just authenticity has been so important for me to see. Um, and Elena Koff, who actually was one of my infant teachers when I was a center director and now is a toddler teacher at another center and has just become the most um, amazing, fun, smart toddler person, um, continues to inspire me, even though we started as sort of a hierarchical kind of thing when I was her boss. Um, so every day I still see something or hear something from her that that inspires me about the hope that there is out there that there are amazing people doing amazing work, even though um, I also see the folks with their behavior charts making me crazy. <laughs> so, so there's three of them at least. Awesome. Speaking of making you crazy, what, what in the early childhood profession <laughs> now is making you most crazy? Um. I, it's, I, I don't know. Nothing's coming to mind. I'm sure that there are things. I mean, I, I did think just our, there's, there's just that, that faction that is out there clinging to um, the hope of academic yeah. push down, proving our worth as a profession. So maybe, yeah, that's, that's what it is. It just took me a minute to get there. Um, or the idea that we have to, we have to make a case that if we do good things for children now, we'll get, you know, $2 down the road for every dollar we spend now, instead of just saying, these are human beings who deserve the best we can do right, right. now. Right. Um, regardless of how much money they make us in the future or what kind of scores we can get to prove our points. We've got a lot on the back of zero to five-year-olds yes. um, when, when we need to be just honoring childhood and humanity and, and what we, what they need from us now and how we can do that. Brilliant. I don't think we can do better than that. Tamara, any questions for Heather before we, we kind of pull mm. this uh, episode over to the side of the road? Well, I wouldn't mind if she'd just sort of move in next door. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I have a mother wound. Don't say things like that. <laughs> I'll be in so your backyard I. so fast. <laughs> But I also do. <laughs> yeah, actually, we have a nice little place you could stay in. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I'm always thinking of podcast ideas. So here's a here's a podcast idea for for Heather and Tamar working together. A show called Mother Issues. Ooh. We can get Melinda Marshall in on that too. She and I keep talking about doing podcasts. Oh, yummy! Yeah, yummy, yeah. yummy, yummy. Yeah. 
Heather, anything we didn't ask you that we should have? No. Is this how long these usually are? Like this is going to be so long. No, this is <laughs> a, this is about average length. Okay. All right. So we're only coming yeah. about an hour and a half. <laughs> okay. No, we've covered. So Lisa much. Murphy was an hour and fifty minutes, but you know how she talks. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, Heather, thank you for one being so open with us and sharing your stories, but two for all the hard work that that you mm -hmm. do. Um, I, I I look at uh, the working relationship that we have as 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 a as a bright spot in in the last handful of years of of my work in early learning, and I truly truly appreciate it. And thank you thank you for that, and thank you for your time in this episode. Oh, no, thanks yeah, for, thanks really, for thank you. Um, and you know, Jeff, I think this is another person I've fallen in love with. Well, that's what this show is all about. It's about helping people <laughs> tell their stories so everybody can fall in love with them. Yay. Yeah, absolutely. This, this was great. I, I'm going to go lay down and recover, but this was really <laughs> great and fun. <laughs> this, thank you so much. This has been Early Learning Journeys. We'll be back soon with another episode. Coming up next episode, Dan Hodgins. Maybe you've heard of him. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. Love Dan Hodgins. <laughs>